Well, 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 look at here. Mark has put out another episode. Yay. Welcome to another edition of Midnight Social Distortion. I am your host, Marco Estes, and in this episode, I will be talking about the top 10 things that I am looking forward to this spooky season. I will also give you 10 other honorable mentions that I'm also looking forward to this Halloween. So stay tuned and let's get started. everyone doing i hope you're all doing great i have been doing okay myself and as i record this episode it is within the midnight hour i thought what would be a better time to record than in the middle of the night where there's nothing but silence around me and it gives off this ethereal spooky feeling um my halloween tree is up Uh, i don't know if you guys saw pictures of it on Instagram or Facebook but I do have one up and I want to give thanks to Craig of the Half-Assed Horrorcast podcast and the Holler Kings podcast because I call him the patron saint of Halloween at least Tennessee's patron saint of Halloween and I got my idea for a Halloween tree from him and come to find out my aunt also does a halloween tree which kind of shocked me because they're very religious and my uncle who who was my dad's brother um who was also married to my anyway excuse all of that basically my uncle is very very religious i remember one christmas i asked him to get me the craft soundtrack back in 96 and he didn't get like i guess the the cover of the disc was looking kind of funky to him and he wanted me to actually play the soundtrack for him as after i opened it and i was like it's just music it's nothing devil worshiping or anything like that because they all think that anything of that ilk is like devil worshiping but that's neither here nor there which is one of the reasons why i was shocked to find out that my aunt excuse me who is his wife um puts up a halloween tree but she says that she doesn't ever take her tree down she also decorates it for black history month um i think she does one for saint patrick's day maybe i think she actually does like half black history month and half valentine's day but i could be wrong but i know that she told me that she up she has the tree up all year long 
So I was shocked, and my mom and dad were shocked as well. But, um, yeah, I have my Halloween tree up to make sure to let everybody know that spooky season is in effect. And for me, spooky season starts in um, August. I know a lot of people say September, but for me, it is August because I look at September as spooky season Eve. And I look at August as, um, actually, let me take that back. I look at August as spooky season Eve and September and October as spooky season. Usually the leaves are turning orange around that time and all of the kids are back in school and the stores are being piled up with so much Halloween stuff that most horror fans and Halloween fans go to the you know, the stores, the Walmarts, the Targets, the home goods, the at homes and stuff like that to get home decker. And I'm one of those people. I've managed to buy a lot of stuff from spirit this year and i'm thinking about taking another trip because they have these nice pajamas um these nice child's play chucky pajamas for adults that i want to get i already have a freddy krueger set you knew i was gonna go for him first fred head for life but i also saw a couple of throw blankets that i wanted to get and a couple of more glasses and maybe some more trinkets you know because you can never have enough Halloween shit in your house. So, speaking of all this spooky season stuff, got me thinking about what else am I looking forward to in the horror realm on TV, movies, and in books. So, in this episode, like I mentioned, I will be giving my top 10 things that I am highly looking forward to this spooky season. Followed by, well, actually, it's going to be led by um, the top 10 or few honorable mentions. And those are going to come at no, those are not really ranked, but I do have a lot of honorable mentions. And I also wanted to discuss, you know, some of the stuff I'm seeing around during Halloween, but actually leading up to the spooky season, leading up to, where is spooky season, excuse me leading up to halloween you know and before i get started on that let's just go ahead and jump into these honorable mentions like i said these are not in any order they're not ranked these are just a list of things that i took note of when a lot of websites or rather streaming services started dropping like this is going to be our halloween schedule this is what's going to be going on on Halloween. Then the trades start releasing like, oh, this movie is going to finally drop on this date, this date. It's like every day we get a new horror movie or horror related content show or whatever being dropped close to Halloween or in October, usually two to three weeks before um, the program or movie is about to release you know um i don't think we get a hellraiser release date until the beginning of the month and it's probably like a month away and then we got that hot ass trailer but i'm getting ahead of myself but just that's how it's been this year we like all horror fans are running around with their heads cut off like rabbits with their heads cut off trying to keep up with all the content and that's not saying all the stuff that hasn't been released in october because we have barbarian in theaters right now we have pearl both of which i have not had a chance to see and i 
I can't remember any other movies that have dropped before the end. I guess you could say Bodies, 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 but that was like a late summer movie. But it's still going to drop in time for Halloween, I believe, um, streaming or on demand, probably for rent. So there's a plethora of stuff that came out in the last couple of months that are probably going to be released during the Halloween season on top of the stuff that we're getting from Shudder, Hulu, Netflix, and what have you. As a matter of fact, some people consider the new Dahmer show as uh, entry into the spooky season thing. I can see that, but I kind of have some reservations about that because that actually took place in real life. Um, and at the same time, I know that's, that's a whole nother conversation about Dahmer, but I mean, true crime can be terrifying. It can be spooky. So I can see why some people include that in there. So let's go ahead and get started right quick. Um, my first entry into my, and if the volume went up a little bit, that's because of an issue that was going on that I think finally corrected itself. And I'm sorry about that. But be, so let's just go ahead and get started. Um, the first thing that I want to talk about is I have three books, well, actually four. One of them made the top 10, but there's three other books that I'm looking forward to um, engaging in this Halloween if I'm able to, because uh, we know that life gets in the way, especially when you're reading uh, like a thick tone. So I picked four books. One made it to the top 10, but the other three are, well, they are... Once made by a good friend of mine, which I'm actually glad to dive into, it may be it may come before the top ten book, but the, that would be Sylvester Barzi's Planet Dead Two, Patient Zero, and this is a departure. Well, not really a departure. It's just another look at what is going on in his Planet Dead world from the viewpoint of a character by the name of Christian Fidel and it takes place in a hotel where when the apocalypse does break out Christian and co-workers and friends have to make their way out the building and try to figure out what the hell is going on with the world so this book I've had it for about a year now I've always wanted to dive into it but it just other things would come up and I would get kind of distracted i have very very bad um attention issues i'll be honest with y'all um y'all know me personally then you should know this by now but with 165 pages long it's not a long read so i cannot wait to dive into it but because i haven't had any type of zombie content that i've been diving into including like tv shows uh, I had a Sylvester on earlier this season to talk about that. And, um, yeah, I, I've i told, like I think I mentioned in the episode, I, the zombies are one of the, like, top three things to terrify me. So reading about them is very, you know, nerve-wracking, especially when they go into gritty detail about how victims are devoured. So that's one of the reasons why I held it off, because Sylvester does not hold back. He is balls to the wall, graphic when he comes to his um zombie bashing his zombie eating so i had to sit there and get myself prepared for this so i'm looking forward to going ahead and reading it finally um another book that i have on my list is 
The Weight of Blood by Tiffany D. Jackson. Now, Tiffany D. Jackson is not a stranger to horror. She has written a lot of other books, but this is her, I want to say, second venture into horror. She's a big horror fan, and this book itself is like an homage to Stephen King's Carrie. So I'm just going to read a synopsis from this um, book jacket right quick. When Springville residents, at least the ones still alive, are questioned about what happened on prom night, they all have the same explanation. Maddie did it. An outcast at her small town Georgia high school, Madison Washington has always been a teasing target for bullies, and she's dealt with it because she has more pressing problems to manage. Until the morning, a surprise rainstorm reveals her most closely kept secret. Maddie is biracial. She has been passing for white her entire life at the behest of her fanatical white father, Thomas Washington. After a viral bullying video pulls back the curtain on Springville High's racist roots, student leaders come up with a plan to change their image. Host the school's first integrated prom as a show of unity. The popular white class president convinces her black superstar quarterback boyfriend to ask Maddie to be his date, leaving Maddie wondering if it's possible to have a normal life. But some of her classmates aren't done with her just yet. And what they don't know is that Maddie still has another secret one that would cost them all their lives. Now, when I read the synopsis of this, I was like, this is giving serious Carrie vibes. And Tiffany D. Jackson, let's say Tiffany D. Jackson. Yeah, Tiffany D. Jackson um, did mention that this was an homage to Carrie. And it's not, she's not the first person to write a book in homage to another author. Um, I know that Brandon Massey's, um, God, why is my name blanking right now on their book? But he wrote a book um, called Dark Corner. And it was pretty much an homage to Salem's Lot, except it was told from like a small black town in the South. And it was very, very, um, I was about to say identifiable. It was very, um, I can identify with it. I'm sorry. I'm, it's late night, so my brain shutting down. I can identify with Dark Corner and the small town aspect of it, and it made it more welcoming for a reader like me. So I'm eager to jump into um, what Tiffany has um, planned with this book. And the whole thing about, you know, I know somebody out there, I know somebody out there is probably saying like, it's 2022. Why, why are they just not having an integrated prom? It happens. There's a lot of small towns, lost mountain. There's a lot of schools and small towns in the area that have integrated, um, they have, um, they have not integrated certain things like, hell, my high school used to have a black homecoming queen, a black, no, let me take that black. Yeah, they had a black homecoming queen and a black and a white homecoming queen, and a black class president. Well, let me take that back. It was a okay. So your freshman and your junior year, you would have a white or a black class president. No, a white class president and a black class vice president, and then I think it was a white secretary and a black treasurer and then your sophomore and senior years you could like have a black um a president 
and then a white vice president. By the time I got to become a senior, they kind of just got rid of all of that. And that was in 2001. And before that, they also used to have like uh, a Mr. H, like our Mr. HHS or Miss, Miss HH or you know, whatever that was. They would have a black person and a white person. It was like you can I could pull up all your excuse me, I could pull up all your books to showcase that that shit was going on as of 2001. So it's plausible for the shit to be still going on as of right now because most people, most small towns like to keep their small towns like, you know, small townish, in other words, ignorant. So, yeah, I. I don't know. I, I it's it's plausible. So in another in another word, it's plausible, and I don't blink an eye because I know it, it's actually going on. So yeah, that's another one that I'm looking forward to. And there's also let me see. I had another book listed, but actually no. I will I will go ahead and just add this one because um. Basically, it's a book that I wanted to um, talk about in a later episode, but it's called Devil's Hill by E. Reyes. And if you're a fan of Trick or Treat, um, the movie um, and Creep Show, then you would love E. Reyes' um, Devil's Hill. Because it takes place in the same town, which is called Devil's Hill, and it takes place over 24 hours of Halloween, but it's an anthology, and each story interconnects with each other, not in a way where you you can like have to read the book from point A to point B, or point A to point Z. You can jump around the stories, but they sometimes reconnect to other stories. Like, there was one story where two people in the story was um, got in the car and drove away and they ran into somebody else that was took part in another story and it just or there's a news a, a constant news feed going around about somebody being snatched like a certain group of people being snatched or whatnot so and they had like creep show-esque um reveals or twists not to say that creep show and trick-or-treat um didn't have the same um type of twist but i mean they they have twists and they're very enjoyable and there's not all the people that you come across in the book that you read all of them are not like very you know like most people in creep show got what they deserve or and then trick-or-treat most of them got what they deserve but then there was a few people who you know you kind of rooted for i think it's more people who I think it's an equal balance what I'm saying in Devil's Hill. And I would go into deeper detail in a future episode. But that's another book that I have. And also, another honorable mention is, of course, people might be like, Mark, are you fucking insane putting this in honorable mentions? But I have to put it here because I don't know if I'll be able to see it or not. And that is Terrifier 2. Um, when the first Terrifier came out, I was like, I do not want to watch anything where it's just like, because most people kept posting Terrifier clips and it was always the gory clips. You know, it wasn't giving the movie any type of substance. And so 
I was like, I don't really want to watch that because you know my thing. I feel that horror is more than gore. And I was like, I would rather see something else that has more depth to it because it's just seems like it's a glorified gore train and whatnot. I was wrong. Um, I watched Terrifier and fell in love with it because um, Art the Clown is just fucking insane. And you don't know what he's going to do next. And I love how the um, original movie kind of shifted viewpoints and you have these two sisters that's having to deal with this uh, supernatural clown. And I love the way how they, you know, executed those characters and whatnot, literally and figuratively. So also I was so uh, um, in love with it that I went back and watched the um, All Hallows Eve movie. And I think I just recently came across the All Hallows Eve too, which I'm going to try to watch next month as well. But the reason why this is an honorable mention and not in the top 10 is because there's going to be some showings of the movie actually here in Memphis. The problem is they're going to be on, I think one is going to be on Thursday night. Another's going to be on um, Friday night. I work both those nights and I don't get off until it's close to time for me to, you know, for the, for the, for the movie to start. So I get off at nine 30 and the movie starts at 10 Oh five. And it takes about a good 20 to 25 minutes, depending on traffic to get from my house to the nearest theater that they're going to show it. They're not going to show it um, at a lot of theaters. They're only going to show it at two theaters. And the one closest to me is about a good 20, 15 minute drive, 15 to 20 minute drive. That's not including parking. That's not including traffic. And that's not including me having to wait in the concession stand because I'm a hungry bastard. I have to get my damn food. So I'm worried that I would not get a chance to see this until it hits streaming or um, on demand or physical release. I'm praying that something shakes. I cannot take off for this because I've already taken off for Halloween, my second birthday. I've also taken off for um, Black Panther Wakanda Forever in November. So I have a few days left and I got trying to save those for a Christmas holiday. So Terrifier 2 is unfortunately in the honorable mentions though, but it's still mentioned. It's still something I am looking forward to. So there's that. Um, as a matter of fact, let's look at Terrifier 2 for just a second before I move on. Um, the original Art the Clown, I think, is back. The actor who plays him, which I cannot for some reason remember his name. Um, yeah. Um, David Howard Thornton is coming back, and so is Samantha Scafidi who played Victoria in the original movie. Um, and the premise is this, after mutilating soul survivor, excuse me, after mutilating soul survivor Victoria Hayes and committing suicide upon police confrontation, Art is resurrected by a sinister being a year later and begins a hunt for two unsuspecting siblings in the Miles County area on Halloween night. Felisa Rose will also be in here, and so will Tamara Glenn, who you probably know from Halloween uh, 5. And, yeah, it's, I mean, I've seen the trailer. It looks amazing. I cannot wait to see the movie, but, again, I just feel like I will not get a chance to watch that movie live with a group, with a respectable audience. Um, 
because, like I said, it's going to be a, they got a showing at 7 o'clock. I'll be at work. That's probably going to be where the best audience is going to be, especially around here in Memphis. And then there is a 10.05 showing, and by that being on a Thursday and a Friday night, most most people will say, well, go on Friday night. Uh-uh. No, not not down here. No, I prefer to go to a, um, a semi-full showing with, you know, other horror fans and not people who are just trying to sit there and, you know, burn the night away, drop their kids off the theater, and it's just chaos. So, no. I would prefer to go on a Thursday night. But let's pray that I get to the damn theater to see it. If not, I would just wait for streaming, unfortunately. Okay, so what else do we have here? Mr. Harrigan's phone. Um, This is also another one that kind of got a release date real late, or and um, or rather very close to the actual um season of halloween i think they released the release date at the beginning of this month maybe maybe um second week of september i I can't recall but mr harrigan's phone is based on a stephen king short story or novella rather that is in his um collection if it bleeds i've read it it was it's the first novella in that book i thoroughly enjoyed it um I could vision, um, I can envision the the actually I actually the people that have cast in the roles, um, Jaden Martell and Donald Sutherland, those who I thought about when I read the novel, I mean the novella, because they're both around the, the the right age, and I could see Donald Sutherland giving out the performance of Mr. Harrigan and whatnot, being not like a like a mixture between kooky sinister and you know sympathetic and whatnot um the premise of that is a boy named craig befriends the elderly mr harrigan and gives him a cell phone when mr harrigan passes away craig begins to make calls to his old number about those who torment him only to find that doing so results in mr harrigan's spirit avenging his young friend from beyond the grave now from what i can remember in the novella they kind of um Stephen King kind of played with whether or not Mr. Harrigan was actually responsible for the fate of some of the people who gave Craig hail. It was never explicitly said like yes, he is calling from the grave or whatnot, from what I can remember. Um but it gave that that was a part that that was a great suspense mechanism for the novella because Sometimes, you know, it could be, you know, uh, a supernatural element that is doing all this, or it could just be fate, you know, or karma, because the people who interfered with Craig and, like, did the shit to him in the novella, it's kind of like you had to decide whether or not it was fate or whether or not it was actually Mr. Harrigan doing what he was doing. Um, and I'm just going to just leave it at that. But the cast includes not only Donald Sutherland and Jaden Martell, who you both, both. Jaden Martell was Bill um, in It and It Chapter 2, the young version of Bill. Uh, so he's he was a great, you know, casting choice for that. Um, the film version was written and directed by John Lee Hancock, and it was produced by Bloomhouse and Ryan Murphy. And it will premiere on Netflix on October 5th. And 
the movie also includes Kirby Howell Baptiste, who plays Miss Hart, who was one of my favorite characters in the novella. So I'm glad that she is bringing life to that role because Miss Hart was like those, you know, those teachers that I forget the coach's name and um, Carrie, but she reminds you of that person who sees the bullshit for what it is and you know she's kind of like a confidant for the main character Stephen king has a lot of those in his books so that's another one i'm looking forward to um also the huluween drag stravaganza that was a surprise that i was not looking forward to um because i was i think I could be wrong because I won't add no no yeast to anything, but I feel like the Hulu drag, Huluween drag extravaganza was announced around the same time as the Boulay Brothers um, Dragula Titans was announced. Uh, and so, but there's no competition. I don't want anybody to feel like there's going to be competition between the two. It's not. Um, the Dragula, I'm not, the, I'm not Dragula, the Huluween drag extravaganza is just like, a variety show that is going to conclude a lot of drag race, of RuPaul's Drag Race alum, Juju B, Ginger Minj, um, Monique Hart, um, and Monet Exchange. Cash is also going to be a part of this. Manila Luzon, Lady Bunny, Jackie B, Celine Luna, Luna, and the drag. Uh, the Dragula season three winner, Landon Sider. I love Landon Sider. <laughs> and I'm just glad to see them doing something um, else. Not saying that I, because I can't go see them live um, when they tour. So my only um, exposure to them is through Dragula and some YouTube videos and their Instagram page. So I'm glad to see them doing something with, you know, a, a lot of other drag queens that's in the horror, in the horror realm, realm, excuse me, country. So that is going to premiere on October 1st, which is this coming up Friday, um, um, Saturday. Who knows by the time this episode is released, it'll probably be on the day of this. Um, it probably be on the day of this, what you call it, the release of this um, episode. So, yeah, they have already done, uh, released a video of some sorts of the first opening song called The Big Opening, and it was pretty funny, you know, I lo it, it, to be honest with you, it looks like a well-produced Drag Race um, skit in terms of, like, you know, the challenges they have on Drag Race or Dragula. It looks like it's a highbrow, one of those, like, girls, this is what you are... Uh, or monsters. This is what y'all was, you know, doing all those um, acting skits for um, challenges for us for this stuff like here because we live for this shit. You know, everybody loves a good musical. Everybody loves the battle of the bands on Dragula. So it's this is what they're preparing themselves for because that's what we go and we love to see them do. So that's another thing that I'm looking forward to. And yes, we are still in the honorable mentions. You're probably like, why the hell you got all these honorable mentions, Mark? I'm going to burn down to the rest of them. Um, one quick one I'm just going to get out of the way is Shudder's Ghoul Log. Um, and I, I mean, not Ghoul, I'm sorry. Shudder's Ghoul Log. Um, Shudder's Ghoul Log is my version of the crack. I mean, it's everybody's version. It's Shudder's version of the 
the the the the fireplace um, scene, you know, where people put on their TVs to sit there and just chill. But my Google log is, I don't know. It's just I when Halloween comes around, when spooky season comes around every year on Shutter, I put on the Google log um, channel and loop, and that's how I sleep. It is the best sleeping sounds that you can have, you know, to sleep with for me rather, or for any spooky person. But, um, I love it. And I know that the first two, I kind of hate that they just put them up for an hour on the shutter app. And I know that the third one that they did, if I'm not mistaken, was, um, trick or treat based with Sam and all the stuff happening in the town on trick or treat. Like, Easter eggs popping up every five minutes and stuff going on. But it was, once you get like the first hour or something, once you listen to it for like the first hour and a half, you kind of get used to what's going to come up next. You know, what sound is going to pop up. It's like a lullaby of sorts. A goth, not gothic, but like a spooky, horrific lullaby. And it's just amazing. And I cannot wait to get back. Um, I probably sleep well this fall when it comes back. Um, Netflix has three things that are on my list as well. The Watcher, Unsolved Mysteries, and The Curse of Bridge Hollow. Um, when it comes to Unsolved Mysteries, I'm kind of pissed off about that. And that's why it's in the honorable mentions. Because it's going to be a three-night event on Netflix. And I'm like, I preferred the six part episodes that came they, they dropped with the first two volumes uh i think it was 12 episodes a piece so i'm thinking that i think this is gonna be three weeks yes they'll be released weekly on october 18th october 25th and november 1st and according to deadline Volume 3 will feature more unexplained disappearances, tragic events, and bizarre occurrences. The first two volumes have included stories such as A Strange Death in Oslo, Tsunami Spirits in Japan, which was a damn good episode, and UFOs in Massachusetts. Um, They're not saying what exactly those episodes are going to be, what those episodes, those three episodes are going to be about. I don't know if it's going to be like a... uh, three ongoing um like an ongoing story that takes three parts i i don't know but at the end of the day i wish it was another um season of six episodes one volume volume one of season three drops now and then volume two of season three drops later on down the road but there's that and then ryan murphy is giving us the watcher an adaptation of a true, um, a true horror story that happened recently. Cause I remember reading about it a long time ago. And I remember when also reading when Ryan Murphy got the rights to it. Um, the watch is going to star Naomi Watts, Bobby Cannavale. I probably butcher his name, Mia Farrow, Joe Mantello, Terry Kenny, Margot Martindale, Norma Dumesvini, Richard Kind and Jennifer Coolidge. And they released a nice little trailer, a teaser trailer. They had a lot of people like, what the hell is this about? Is this the new American Horror Story? Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, people don't pay attention sometimes when they look at stuff that comes from Ryan Murphy. They always assume it's something related to American Horror Story. 
But no, this is The Watcher. It's based on a true story of a married couple who, after moving into the dream home in New Jersey, are harassed through letters signed by a stalker named The Watcher. This also drops on October 13th. And if you go and do a Google search, you can read about the entire scenario, you know, and this guy would sit there and write them a letter telling him, telling them, like, if you saw the trailer, you know, that I'm, I'm tasked to watch you and, you know, this, this and that. They never caught the guy. That's the creepy part about the whole scenario is that they never caught the person who was writing the letters. The family did an Amer- um, the, the family did Amityville horror. Like they left the house, they sold it and got away. And to this day, they have not found out who was responsible for leaving those letters to them. So, I'm interested to see how Ryan Murphy twists this like he does most historical events. It might have a conclusion. I pray that it has a conclusion. I hope that they'll do a second season um, because I don't think you can do that for so long without you know, running out of steam. And the third thing from Netflix is The Curse of Bridge Hollow, which stars Marlon Wayans, Pryor Ferguson, Kelly Rowland, and Rob Diggle. Rob Riggle, excuse me. And this is about a teenage girl who accidentally releases an ancient and mischievous spirit on Halloween, which causes decoration to come alive and wreak havoc. Her dad hates Halloween, so this is going to be a team up of Priya with Marlon Wayans, and which who is going to play her father. So it's going to be like a cute little family movie that uh, I hope my nieces be into because they love Stranger Things. And they love Priya as Erica, so I'm pretty sure they'll probably want me to sit there and watch that with them. That's all on Netflix and stuff. Now, the last thing, two last things in the um, honorable mentions is Reginald the Vampire, which stars Jacob Batillion. I think I pronounced his name right. Um, in a world populated by beautiful, fit, and vain vampires, Reginald tumbles into it as an unlikely hero who would navigate every kind of obstacle and discovers he has a few unrecognized powers of his own. Jacob Battalion is also joined by M. Hain and Rachelle Goulding. Uh, this is based on a graphic novel of the same name, and this drops the same night as Chucky Season 2. It's actually going to be the um, lead out show after Chucky season two premieres. It's going to be, that's going to be the two shows that's going to be together. I actually like Jacob. Um, I liked him in the Spider-Man movies and he was in something else that I liked him in. I did not care for Bloodfest, and I'm going to do an episode about that soon because that was one of the most recent movies I saw finally. And I did not care for it. So um, it'll be interesting to see, um, Jacob do this vampire thing you know so and finally we have Grim Cuddy which I cannot find out much more about outside of the trailer that came out because that was something unexpected that I was like oh yes I have to watch this shit so Grim Cuddy uh, per IMDB is about a modern creature. It's a, a scary internet meme called Grim Cuddy stirs up panic amongst all the parents in town. Convinced it's making their kids harm themselves and others. When a real life version of Grim Cuddy starts attacking teen Aisha, uh, Aisha Chaudhry, her parents believe that she's cutting herself as part of a challenge. 
with her phone taken away and no one but who believes her, Asha has to figure out how to get through to her parents and to stop the Grim Cuddy once and for all. And this movie stars um, Sarah Wolfkind, um, Shannon Sossaman. You guys probably know her from, I think it's Sinister 2. And the, what's the name of that movie? It's a Brett Easton Ellis novel, The Rules of Attraction. And she was in a lot of other scary stuff. I think she was in the um, One Miss Call remake, the U.S. remake. Um then we have Usman Ali, Brenda Schmid, and yeah, that's pretty much all the people of interest. And this drops on October 10th on Hulu. So let's take a quick little break and get into the actual top 10. Okay, let's go ahead and finish this episode out with the top 10 things I'm looking forward to this spooky season. So, this list is actually ranked. I I know I didn't rank the honorable mentions list, but I didn't see the um, point in that. Those are just a lot of things that I am going to, you know, try to get myself to watch during the season. Um, But these top 10 are the ones that... I have to see I've been itching for for a long time and there should be no reason why I can't see them or or read them they're all in my um I guess you want to how do you say they're all in my they're they're reachable I can put my hands on them or I can find a way to get to them streaming wise there's no I have to be at work this day can't get out of work to do this and that uh so Yes, let's just break down the top 10 for right now. Uh, At number 10, we have VHS 99. I I love a good horror anthology. I probably should do an episode on my favorite horror anthology uh, movies and TV shows. But when it comes to the VHS franchise, the first two were amazing. And they lost me entirely with VHS Viral. I did not like VHS Viral at all. So I can't remember some of the stories from it because it was just, the only one I can remember is the skateboarding and whatever was going on with those. I can't remember what the issue was with that. But the, even the, um, I keep forgetting they call those. Jesus, it's so late. Um, the wraparound story didn't make any sense. It was kind of like, oh, that's it? So when VHS 94 came out, I was like, okay, I'm going to give it a chance because I was in the mood for a good, I was in the mood for a horror anthology. I'm not going to say good because I didn't know if it's going to be good or not. And once I got through with VHS 94, I was like, this is the shit that I loved about the first two movies. And it, it returned to form. So when they announced um, VHS 99, I was like, thank God. I got something. I got a new horror anthology to look forward to this Halloween. And it's in good hands by a group of people, directors and storytellers who I admire. Um, 
some of those storytellers are Flying Lotus, um, D- um, Vanessa and Joseph Winter, Maggie Levine, um, Tyler McIntyre, and Johan, oh, excuse me, and Johan Roberts. It's produced by Brad Miska and Josh Goldblum. You probably know Brad Miska from, you know, um, Bloody Disgusting. And also the trio of Radio Silence is producing it. So that's another great thing about this um, installment. And this one was actually released. It was viewed or screened, rather, at um, TIFF. And it's going to make its premiere on October 20th on Shudder, which is the home of the, you know, VHS 94. The cast, there's only one person in the cast that I recognize, and that's Stephen Ogg. Uh, most people probably know Stephen Ogg from either Westworld or The Walking Dead as one of, um, I forget his name, but he was a cohort of... Um, Negan. I know Stephen Ogg from Grand Theft Auto um, 5 as Trevor. Um, to me, that's my favorite role of his because that's another motherfucker who you did not know what he was going to do next if unless you were controlling him. So it was just, so he's a great, I'm interested to see what role he's going to take on in the, um, you know, in the movie. So I that's number 10 um because there's not much more to know about a trailer has been released and the less i know about this going into it the better so there's that and at coming in at number nine is also another shutter original called queer for fear now i've heard a lot of great things about this um i you know knew a lot of behind the scenes stuff and i am just glad that shutter it's taken another step forward in recognizing queer horror. Um, they did it by becoming the home of Dragula, which was, you know, went, which bounced from, I want to say, from Amazon Prime to Netflix to Shudder. And I feel like it's a better a, a better fit for Shudder. Uh, I also think that Shudder has been a great home for a lot of um, LGBTQ horror films. Um, Knife and Heart. Uh, what was the other one? Oh, Spiral, of course. Um, and what was the... And, you know, Camille. Uh, and there's a there's a few others that's not coming to my mind right now. But there's a lot. You know, you can sit there and say, oh, this is a queer horror film. And they're great for that. So it also the people behind Queer for Fear, um, Brian Fuller, Nate Bever, um, and a few other people they interviewed, like queer horror icons within the horror community. Um, Peaches Christ, I believe, is going to be interviewed for this. Um, I think Mark Patton, Justin Simeon, um, just a lot of great people. And I cannot wait to see the finished product. I mean, COVID fucked up most of the... um, production because I think COVID hit when it was like going right into production with it and so I'm eager to see what they bring to the table and I think that is also going to be I don't know how many episodes that's going to be I I know it's going to probably run until let me see according to Bloody Disgusting I'm just going to read this um 
Queer for Fear is a docu-series executive produced by Brian Fuller. The series explores the far reaches of the LGBTQ plus community and their influence over the horror genre since its earliest beginnings in four parts. So it's a four part episode, uh, four part show. Queer for Fear will also share the ways the community continues to shape and pioneer the genre through their art. This is not um, bloody disgusting. This is actually Collider. I'm sorry. Um, from the literary brainchild of queer authors like Mary Shelley and Bram Stoker to the societal stigma surrounding queer people that influence entire subgenres, Queer for Fear will delve into the classics some fans may not be aware of were inspired by queer culture. And the promotional material had a lot of, um, how can I say, uh, they had some drag stars do some of the promotional material for it and queer and queer, um, icons as well. Leah, I want to say Leah, I cannot, Leah, I cannot pronounce her name, but I want to say, anyway, Leah Delaria, that's it, Leah Delaria. She did a great um, cosplay as Alfred um, Hitchcock. Um, Mayhem Miller did a great bride. And I cannot remember the cosplayer or a queer artist who did Katrina from Vamp. But once I do review the episode, the move, the, the show, I will try to find that name. But other people that's going to be included in the um, documentary is going to be Jennifer's Body's director, Karen Kasama, Kevin Williamson, who wrote Screams 1, 2, 3, 4, and well, he didn't write 3. He gave a, you know, a draft or a, he got a story credit for Scream 3. But anyway, um, Jennifer Tilly and... Um, Rachel True. Oh, crap. First episode drops... Um, Friday, September 30th. So by the time you hear this episode, it'll probably already be airing. So just be on the lookout for that because I am. The next thing on my list, which coming in at number eight, is The Midnight Club, which is an adaptation of Christopher Pike's um, novel from back in the day. I want to say it came out in 94. This is in the top 10 because... This book was one of those Christopher Pike novels that I did not get a chance to read as I was young. It was elusive as fuck. It seemed like everybody would have a copy of it and then they would lose it or somebody would steal it. Between R.L. Stein, Fear Street, um, and Goosebumps and Christopher Pike and Sweet Valley, those were the books that were constantly stolen from people's desks all the time. They were like crack to everybody at the schools. So I never had a chance to read The Midnight Club in the original 94 setting as a teenager but i've always been interested in it because of the cover i like a good ensemble cast when it comes to like you know a good hard novel and i like multiple um points of view when it comes to like the teens or whoever is in the story dealing with the um terror or a supernatural element in the novel or book and so the great thing about this is that this is being written and it was created and brought to screen by the great Mike Flanagan, who gave us, who has given us Dr. Sleep, Midnight Mass, The House of Blind Manor, The House, uh, not the, the, the Haunting of Blind Manor, excuse me, and The Haunting of Hill House, and Oculus, and all these other films. And 
he knows what he's doing. Anytime Mike Flanagan gets his hands on anything, I'm there for it. I kind of wish he had to get his hands on the Fear Street books, so, but that's just me. Also, a great thing about this is that it's very um, multicultural. Uh, the cast members are very multicultural. And uh, Mike Flanagan has, give, gave, has, given, has given us Heather Langenkamp back on the screen. I'm so happy to see Heather Langenkamp back on my TV screen. So here's the synopsis for that. A group of seven close, terminally ill young adults resides in the Rotterdam home hospice run by an enigmatic, doc- an enigmatic doctor. Excuse me. They meet at midnight every night to tell each other scary stories. One night they make a pact that the first one to succumb to their disease is responsible for communicating with the others from beyond the grave. After one of them dies, bizarre occurrences begin. And what and this is going to be a ten part um, series. And another thing about this that is a great thing to um, be aware of is that not only is Mike Flanagan adapting the Midnight Club, but he's also adapting the stories that the Midnight Club are going to tell are adaptations of other Christopher Pike novels. Um, there's four of them. One's going to be Witch which is about a girl with mystical abilities who tries to prevent her catastrophic visions from coming true. Give me a kiss, which is in which a bully student fakes her own death as part of a twisted revenge scheme. The wicked heart, which follows the trail of a high school serial killer whose preferred weapon is a hammer and road to nowhere where a heartbroken young woman running away from her life picks up two eerie hitchhikers now, these are also some of the ones that I have not read from uh, Christopher, Christopher Pike, but I believe that I do have a copy of Road to Nowhere in the house somewhere. Um, hopefully before the movie, movie before the show comes out, there will be, they will re-release not only The Midnight Club, which I did get a recent um, copy of, but also the other four books so fans can catch up on them. And Christopher Pike was like, his stories were very deep. I mean, he dealt with teenage suicide, um, sexual um, transmitted diseases. Uh, he dealt with homosexuality, immortality, uh, spirituality, and all this stuff in his teen novels. And like, you have like R.L. Stein giving us, which don't get me wrong, y'all know I love, I'll, I'll go for R.L. Stein. But if you were to move with some deep ass shit, you would turn to Christopher Pike. And I'm so the subject matter is very heavy, especially with the Midnight Club. You know, you have teens who are suffering from um, incurable diseases and they're in the hospice, you know what I'm saying, care. So it's going to be interesting to see how Mike Flanagan tackles this. I pretty, like I said, it's in good hands, in my personal opinion. I have, I wish I could have got a screener for it or something, but. I just know the show is in good hands and I can't wait to see what Mike Flanagan does with this one. And it premieres October 7th on Netflix. And then moving on to number eight, I mean, not number eight, but number seven, we have my best friend's exorcism. Y'all do not know how fucking excited I am for this to be finally put on the screen. When I read Grady Hendrix's novel, The Same Name, back when it first came out, 
I did not know what I was getting my hand, my um myself into. I went to the bookstore to get some other book, and ended up coming out with that book and my best friend's exorcism. The cover of the hardcover is like a yearbook page. It has like everybody posting, you know, their yearbook photos, and it's this one girl whose back is turned. And it's very 80. It's a it's set in the 80s. So the cover was very 80, 80s retro. And I just picked it up on site. And I took it home and I read it. And I mean, I burnt through that book so quick. And I was like, this has to be a movie. The hardcover said it was like Heather's or Heather's or Beaches meets um, The Exorcist. And I can see that. Um, but it's about these two best friends, Gretchen and Abby, who go swimming, skinny dipping in their southern, uh, in their South Carolina. Um, um, no, they was in. I want to say they were in. Um, anyway, they went skinny dipping on one night with their friends and. Abby ends up, not Abby, but um, Gretchen ends up getting possessed by the devil. And she, Abby's the only person who notices it because they're like two peas in the pod. I mean, they can't, you know, they, they're, I mean, Abby is more, her parents are more, I don't want to say down to earth, but they're very, I don't want to say they're poor, but they're not on the right side of the tracks, but, um, Gretchen's folks are in like the upper crust area of Charleston. I think that's what they said in Charleston and they are super religious. Plus all this takes place during the satanic panic of the late eighties, early nineties, which is just perfection. And I can't gush about this enough. The movie is directed by Damon Thomas with a screenplay written with a screenplay written by Jenna Lamia Lamia. And Abby, Abby is played by Elise, oh, excuse me, Elsie Fisher, and Gretchen is played by Amaya Miller, and it's produced by Christopher Landon, who y'all know uh, from my, I mean, uh, you know, uh, Happy Death Day, Disturbia, Parent of Activity Two, Three, and Four, and one of my recent uh, faves, uh, Freaky. So. Yeah, it's in good hands. <laughs> I keep saying that, but I really cannot wait to see this movie. And it premieres, um, as of this recording, it premieres this Friday, which is September 30th. Though, again, by the time this podcast episode is out, it will probably be available already. So, and it's going to be available on Amazon Prime. So, please look out for that. I can't, if I say anything else, I'm going to spoil the movie. So, let me just move on to number six, which is Devil Hills, Devil's Hill 2. Um, which is the sequel to the anthology I mentioned earlier that I might reread called Devil's Hill by E. Reyes. This just was released this Friday. And that's all I can say to you about it. Um, I did read the back of the book, but I don't want to just delve into all the details at the moment because I'm trying to keep myself excited because like I like with the original book, I jumped into it um with no previous knowledge of it so i'm just trying to keep that going as well for the second one um and i hope to get that planet zero and um devil's hill the original and the weight of blood written by read by at least mid november 
And the longest, um, the longest book out of those four is The Weight of Blood by Tiffany D. Jackson. And I think I'm going to save that one for last because it can probably last longer into the hollow, until the, um, November. So that's number six. Now our top five, I think everybody's looking forward to personally, um, at number five, and you're probably gonna be shocked at this is Halloween ends. And you're probably saying like, why is it at five? Well, I mean, because I know most people are wanting to go to the theater to see the final battle between Laurie Strode and Michael Myers. And I'm doing air quotes when I say final battle. I know Jamie Lee Curtis herself might be saying like, I am fucking done with this shit. I've done, I gave y'all 40 years of this character. Here she is. I'm done. I'm out. But as the late Mustafa Akkad says, Michael Myers never dies. So unless they bring back Michael Myers in some type of some other scenario where there's no Laurie Strode, um, maybe have Allison, lead the fray for this point on then you know whatever but i did take off work for halloween ends um i actually saw halloween kills on peacock because i really did not feel like going out that night when it, when it premiered and i think that was during was the high yeah it was the high um high area of COVID. Yeah, COVID was still going on. I was like, fuck that. I'm not going to the theater for that. So, I may go to the theater and see Halloween Kills um, that Thursday evening and then um, come home later that night and watch it again. But it's at number five because I, this, is not a, this is not a bad ranking. It's just that, you know, it's the end of this battle, this 40-year battle um, that to me is going to end only one sided because we all know that the the cause and whoever else has rights with uh, who owns the rights of Michael Myers are not going to let this man die. Not after the um, um, bank is made in the last uh, few years. So there's that. Um, And number four, we have Dragon of Titans. Um, This was a shock announcement as well. <laughs> I was not expecting to hear this be announced. I knew they was gonna get a season five, but I was not expecting a sort of like all stars ish type season. So I'm interested to see what they do with this. Um, the Boule Brothers never disappoint, never. Even before they got like Netflix money to produce season three, the first two seasons of Dragula never disappointed. The Boulay brothers themselves, when they do their skits, um, I actually want to see something like that. I want the Boulay brothers to put together an Elvira, um, Elvira's, uh, excuse me, an Elvira, Mr. The Dark type movie where they are just like bulldozing over everybody and just being themselves and just having fun with what they're doing. I really want that. And I was hoping to get something like that this year because of their partnership with um, Shudder and AMC and all that. But hopefully it comes down later down the line because I'm not saying that the Boulay brothers don't need the um, monsters on the drag monsters because they, um, I'm not saying they don't need them. I'm just saying that they could do a whole entire show by themselves. Maybe have some drag monsters, some of the drag monsters come in and play characters or whatnot, but just them be the leads. You know, so 
Um, according to Blade, oh, this is Deadline, excuse me. According to Deadline, the Boulay Brothers Dragula Titans will debut with a with will debut with a two episode premiere on Tuesday, October twenty-fifth, with subsequent episodes running out weekly on both Shutter and AMC Plus. Hosted and created by the popular duo, Dragula Titans will be a 10-episode spin-off series starring drag icons from the show's previous seasons. They will compete in a grand championship of drag artistry and physical challenge for a $100,000 grand prize, along with the headlining spot on the upcoming world tour and the first ever Dragula Titans crown and title. So, they said the place the, um, the show will take place in a haunted mansion dubbed The Underworld. And Lord knows what they're going to have these um, monsters doing this year. So here's some of the people who are going to be guest judges. Of course, they got to have Cassandra Peterson Elvira. Uh, Cassandra Elvira Peterson, excuse me. Harvey Gullion. I probably not butcher his name, but we all know him from What We Do in the Shadows. And he also guest hosted last season, um, guest judged last season. Justin Simeon, um, David Dash Machine, um, who also needs his own damn um, horror show. I didn't, I mean, I didn't know this guy was so much into horror as he was. And I, I love to see him pop up on anything Shutter puts out. Pop Metal Princess Poppy. Drag superstars Alaska and Katya and horror royalty Joe Bob Briggs, Bonnie Aarons, and Barbara Crampton. I'm actually shocked to got Joe Bob Briggs to do something like this. It'll be interesting to see what he says. And hopefully he'll say nothing stupid. Um, but that's going to premiere on Shutter on October the 25th, which is going to be late October. So Dragon's going to, uh, Titan's going to carry us into like November, which is amazing. I'm happy for that. Okay, now we're down to the top three. Um, at number three, we have Chucky season two. I cannot wait to see what the hell Chucky gets into this year, especially with them bringing in Glenn Glenda. Lachlan Watson, based on the trailer, is already killing the damn role. And I cannot, or the dual roles, and I cannot wait to see what Glenn Glenda gets into if we're going to see the um, reappearance of the actual Glenn Glenda doll. Um, the trailer for Chucky season two was crazy. They're at a boarding school, a, a um, Catholic boarding school. I don't know how the hell all three of them ended up there. And by all three, I mean, um, Jake, Devin and Lexi. <sighs> Lexi still has her mom, but knowing her mom, her mom was probably like, you know, I'm over your shit. You know, or or she probably something happens where Lexi just has to end up going to the damn school. But when we last left Jake and Devin, they were both like orphans. Chucky pretty much made them orphans. And so it's interesting to see what they're going to do with that. And on top of that, um, not Brad Dorf, excuse me, but um, what the Devin saw was new character. I'm still trying to figure out what his role as father Bryce is going to, I mean, cause he looks just like um, Jake's uncle and father. So it's like, I wonder if they're going to talk about that. If there is a, um, if there's something that going on with that, maybe a, 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 a lost twin or something, or it's just stunt casting on um, Jesus. Don Mancini's, um, 
um, excuse my expression. Um, maybe on Donnie Mancini's part, maybe the stunt casting. Speaking of stunt casting, we also have guest starring this season, Gina Gershon. Um, who wait? Who else? They said Gina Gershon, uh, Meg Tilly, and Joe Pant. Joe Pant. I I can't pronounce his name, but you know him. He was um, in Bound with Jennifer Tilly and Gina Gershon, and he was also in The Matrix. And he's been in a lot of other stuff. He's been in a lot of horror movies too. So it's a, Meg Tilly's also been in a lot of good horror films, Psycho Two, Body Snatchers, among some. And you know. It's like a fan reunion. And I think Sudden, isn't it a Sudden Strike? One of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is going to pop up in this. So I'm very for, very much looking forward to um, Chucky Season 2. And at number two on this list, we have Interview with the Vampire, the, adapt, the AMC adaptation that, how can I put this? Um, I love what they did with the casting and the retelling of the story because when Anne Rice got a hold with Anne Rice before Anne Rice unfortunately passed away her and her son Christopher was trying to do right by her books and I remember reading earlier interviews with Anne Rice like when I was in high school and college and she would always say that her either her manager, her agent, or maybe it was a television executive or something like that told her the only way that your novels can be adapted um, from, um, successfully is if they were turned into a television series. And the Vampire Chronicles is filled with so much material for a television series. Um, and I'm when AMC purchased the rights to not only the Vampire Chronicles, but also the Mayfair Witches um, saga, it just made um, AMC the new home for all Anne Rice content. Now, she's written a few other books and stuff like that outside of um, the Vampire Chronicles and the Mayfair Witches. Um, she did East of Eden, which was transformed into a comedy with Rosie O'Donnell which I thought was stupid um, but she also did The Feast of All Saints which Showtime adapted into a two part four hour movie way back in the day I want to say that was back in 2000 and it starred Jennifer Beals, Robert Richard, Jasmine Guy um, Peter I cannot pronounce it, I can't remember his last name but he was on the um, the OC it was a great cast, um, a great story. I didn't get a chance to finish the um, book, but the, the um, adaptation was very good. Also, James Earl Jones was in it, and he played, uh, he narrated the main character. Um, he was the main, Robert Richard played the younger version of his character. And it was a great book. It's about the free people of color um, in the New Orleans um, area. So there's also violin. There is the Wolf Gift series. There's also um, the Servant of the Bones and the Mummy books. But everybody gravitates towards the Vampire Chronicles and the Mayfair Witches. And if what the trailer for Interview the Vampire 
is in the indicative of what's to come with those other adaptations i'm here for it um one thing i like they did was they know some people probably well actually some people it's there are people out there who are pressed very pressed about the um the switching of louis de point duloc and claudia as black characters um but the novel I mean, the this whole show, instead of taking place in like the late eighteen or the mid eighteen hundreds or whatever, or the late seventeen hundreds, mid eighteen hundreds, whatever, they brought it to the early um, 1920s, um, and they gave Louis like instead of him having like this big estate with slaves, they gave him a business that took you know that that you know a New Orleans business that took part not took part but just like um that just you no know, um what's the word I'm looking for? It dealt in the world of vices, you know, gambling, bootlegging and all that stuff, and he made his money that way. I feel like it modernized a little bit because who wants to see of uh, what well, actually who wants to see, but in other words, who wants I'm pretty sure there have been some type of complaints about the whole um slave narrative because Louis did own slaves and you know, that was something that was, you know, not cute. So they modernized a little bit where it's not like, you know, he's not, he's not making his money off of slaves. He's making his money off of, you know, vice, you know, card gaming, um, prostitution, shit like that. So actually it's 1910s, not the 1920s. And playing Louis is Jacob Anderson, one of my husbands. Um, and playing the king himself, Lestat de Leon Court, is Sam Reed. And Claudia is played by Bailey Bass. And I'm loving how they got her looking. You know, she looks like she's psychotic when she's in vamp mode. And playing Daniel Malloy, a.k.a. the boy from the original um, Interview the Vampire novel, is Eric Bogusian. I cannot pronounce that man's name to stay in my neck. Um, without spoiling anything, it looks as if, um, Louis and Daniel met before, uh, uh, um, based on a, a clip I saw on YouTube, not YouTube, um, Instagram, they made a conversation, they, they had a conversation which seemed like as if they met before, or they, he told his story before or something like that, and, I don't know. So, but that's one of the things I'm looking forward to is interview the vampire, because like I said earlier, if this is any indication of what's to come with the vampire Chronicles books and the Mayfair witches books, which they actually are in the middle of filming the witching hour right now. Um, I don't know if they're going to do like the vampire. I mean, the interview, the vampire is going to be two to three seasons or it's going to be two seasons. And then the next adaptation of vampire to stop maybe a few like two or three seasons you know i don't know how they're gonna do it i'd be interested to know how they're gonna do it but it'd be great if they just kept it like you know self-contained and not self-contained but rather like okay we done did two two seasons of the vampire interview uh, the vampire now we're gonna go into the vampire to start two seasons and then do two seasons of the queen of the damn i don't think they're gonna be able to do that until two seasons because that that whole um, narrative happened very rapidly. So 
I think it was within a few days, a few months or something like that. But anyway, I'm looking forward to that. And my number one thing that I'm looking forward to for this spooky season is Hellraiser. Um, This is another one that I was shocked because I wasn't expecting it this year. I was not expecting Hellraiser this year at all. I was expecting it next year, not next Halloween, but just next year. So when they was like, oh, here's a teaser trailer. And oh, not only is this the trailer, but this shit's dropping on October 7th. It's like, bitch, are you for real? For real? Like, seriously? So the movie is directed by David Bruckner and with the screen with a screenplay written by Ben Collins and Luke Pio Piotrowski. Story by David S. Goyer and Ben Collins and Luke Piotrowski, and it's based on the Hellbound Heart by Clive Barker, who also produced this remake. And from what we saw in the trailer, I know a lot of people were saying like it's gonna probably um, mess with the. Um, it's not gonna completely follow the novella, the Hellbound Heart, but I don't think this is gonna be a re a remake per se, but maybe a reboot of the franchise and it may take place within the same universe as the previous movies, or it may do its own thing because remember, um, David Allen green has, um, is it David Allen green that has his version of, um, Hellraiser coming out either way. There's another Hellraiser TV show coming out on, um, I don't know if it's for HBO max or for um, Hulu or I think it's for HBO max, but anyway, so I'm, I mean, this this just give us reinvigorate this franchise. Is what I'm trying to say, give us more stories that takes place in this world, and whether or not you can have a Hellraiser multiverse or whatnot, you know. But let let you know let this shit go on because the last few movies that's been directed DVD have been horrid. I know a lot of people <coughs> didn't like. Um, don't like most of the direct DVD. I mean, I don't either, but the only two that were good to me were was actually three. The only three that were good to me were actually um Hellraiser five um and Hellraiser six, which is Hellseeker. Inferno and um Hellseeker and the one that came out Judgment. Those were the only ones that I thought had some value to them, but like Hell Razor Debtor, um, Hell World, and I think that one did Revelations, and I think they did some other one that I'm not even thinking about trying to find. But it's just those were not good. But Hellraiser one through six, and then Hellraiser Judgment were to me pretty good movies. And I know a lot of people were upset about the casting of Jamie Clayton as Pinhead. Fuck them. Um, I like the new design of the Cenobites. They look more grotesque. They look more modern in terms of like what you would expect a Cenobite to look like. Um, not saying that Pinhead's original, the Cenobite's original design from the 80s is like dated. It's not. It's still creepy as fuck. It's just, I feel like the creature effects and the makeup for the new Cenobites is more disturbing for the for the modern eye and I love the way that 
they're 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 sort of like teasing certain aspects of Jamie Clayton's pinhead in terms of like the look. Like they've kept everything. They they revealed the head first because you know that's the symbol. That's the um symbol is the pinhead. You know, then they slightly gave us the neck, and then I saw a picture earlier today that kind of gave us the chest, but they're still keeping everything else you know secret. And I hope they manage to keep everything secret until we get the full reveal when the movie comes out. And even the chatterer um looks a bit different um from the from the neck down and there's new Cenobites that they're introducing and they look even more disturbing. So this movie is going to give us all types of um, shit to talk about. And the design of the puzzle box is very, very beautiful. Um, I like how the puzzle box extends out longer than the um, original puzzle box did, even though we know that in the original movies, the puzzle box could be used to extend out to like a little small dagger knife. Um, but it seems like it's a little bit longer than that. And I am here for it. So, and as far as the synopsis, a young woman whose name is Riley played by Odessa Azian struggles with addiction and she comes into possession of an ancient puzzle box, unaware that its purpose is to summon the Cenobites, a group of sadistic supernatural beings from another dimension. And this movie also stars Goran Vizniczki. Viz- I can't pronounce that man's name. Um, but he's been in a lot of you know science fiction horror stuff as of late. But the release for this will be October seventh. Like I said earlier, it's going to be on the same. It's going to release the same day as. Netflix is the Midnight Club, and which means that we're gonna have a lot on our hands come the first week of October alone. So you have the Dragula, the and that that before I get into that, that wraps up my top ten. So, but next week alone, you're gonna have the Halloween Drag Drag Stravaganza, which is October first. October second, you're gonna have um, uh, Interview the Vampire. October 4th, you're going to have both Chucky Season 2 and Original Vampire. Then also that week, you're going to have the premiere of Terrifier 2 in certain areas. And also the premiere of Hellraiser and The Midnight Club. And also, I forget, October um, 5th, I want to say, is also the premiere of mr harrigan's phone so all the first week of october is going to be just busy for horror fans and i mean it's like you you're you're gonna not get any sleep because you want to keep up with everything because it's going to be the water cooler moment or the horror water cooler moment of the um of the week you know hellraiser midnight club chucky interview the vampire all this shit is going to be on everybody's lips and you don't want to be the ones to get spoiled. So it's going to be a lot of sleepless nights, um, good and bad, and a lot of probably caffeine being um, ingested, maybe a lot of popcorn being popped, a lot of alcohol being spilled, you know, as you watch these films. And I'm going to be right there with you getting my everlasting spooky ass life okay with all these horror movies coming out and i cannot wait to hear everybody else's thoughts about them and tell me um what are you looking forward to this halloween um 
shoot me a Instagram message. Shoot, which you can find me at Marco Estes or Midnight Social Distortion on Instagram. Shoot me a tweet at the Anti Critic on Twitter, or you can even um, email me at Midnight Social Distortion at gmail.com tell me what you're looking forward to this halloween tell me what you're looking forward to post halloween because shit will still be dropped post halloween so let me know all your spooky plans for halloween what are you reading what are you do you have a halloween tree up you know what's what's your halloween plans are you going to go somewhere for halloween what are you going to dress up as for halloween will you be out halloween day which is on a monday partying or will you be partying that weekend you know, let me know. And until next time, keep it spooky. Bye.